Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast Network. It's the Pop Culture Show with George and Craig. George Thomas from the Akron Beacon Journal is here with us. George, how are you doing? I'm alive. I'm breathing. That's like, you know, half the battle. Yeah. Well, as, as many of you probably know, reading George, he's covering a lot of Cleveland Brown stuff, Akron Zips uh, for the Beacon Journal. But uh, on the side, he enjoys his hobby of watching movies and writing reviews. Um, and today we are going to be talking about some of the newest releases this week as we sort of wind down the summer. We still have a, a few blockbusters that are getting in there before all the uh, variant COVID variant delays that like we may see here coming up in the next few weeks. Hopefully not, but uh, I know Venom has already been pushed back a, a few weeks, so hopefully it won't be too bad. But uh, we'll keep going as far as as much as we can here. And uh, this week we have the uh, the latest Ryan Reynolds movie, which seemed to have been pushed back about fifty times last year uh, due to the the COVID pandemic, and that's Free Guy. Uh, George, tell us a little bit about Free Guy. What did you think of it? Uh, what is it about? We uh, we love Free Guy. Um, it's probably the best video game movie ever made. <laughs> and it's That's not, not necessarily high praise, though, George. No, it's, it's, it's not a high bar. It really isn't. Right. But it, it, it takes all the conventions of video gaming and, and game, gaming culture, works with everything, mixes it up to create this incredibly original story with lots of laughs and and Ryan Reynolds who I've in, in past reviews over the years I've I've likened to to Tom Hanks okay um that may be a bit off somebody somebody this week came up with a better comparison for him and I I don't remember who ah. it is okay I don't remember the the actor he compared him to but both work but you know Ryan Reynolds is somebody I've uh, followed since uh, two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Yeah, okay. That's a long time. That's a long and time you, ago in the uh, Hollywood industry, yeah. Now, with the exception of taking that path off into the world of, of Deadpool, his and Tom, Tom Hanks's careers are fairly similar in a lot of respects that being said he plays a guy named guy <laughs> in this movie and the setup as we're going in is every day is like the same day for him same day same day same day he he's a, a bank teller he walks to work with his buddy they get a coffee he orders the same coffee every day blah 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 until one day, a young lady strikes his fancy. His eyes are open to a new possibility of something, right? Right. Um, and we soon realize that he's living in a video game. I don't know if you ever, you ever see the Truman Show? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard some uh, comparisons to the Truman Show with this, yeah. It's very Truman Show-esque, but he, right. he realizes his eyes are opened by a young woman, Um played by Jodie Comer, a British actress. And um, in this video game environment to, to interact, he's, he's a non, he, he's a non character. Right. The game pretty much is, is a riff on, on, from what I've been told, I've never played Grand Theft Auto where you level up, 
you kill people in the background, joy, joy, joy. Well, he's one of the people who normally get killed in the background. Okay. And Phil, he ends up with a user's sunglasses, which he's not supposed to have. And eventually the world opens up to him. Now it takes a while for for the for for things to unfold where this young woman, um, Molotov Molotov girl, is that her name? And her she's got an she's an actual user. Turns out she's a programmer. Okay. Whose tech was stolen to to um, make this game called Free City that that guy lives in. And she eventually realizes that, hey, that tech, which is related to artificial artificial intelligence, is making Guy evolve. And it has the potential to make all, all video games, whatever, evolve. It's, it's, it's Nobel Prize winning kind of tech. And she wants to get it back because it's been stolen from her and her partner, Joe Keaty, played by Joe Keaty. Now the problem with that is Joe Keaty's character works for the guy who stole the AI. There's an elaborate plot to try to get this back from him. Plenty of comedy. It gives Ryan Reynolds room to work, room to run. The situations are generally hilarious. They pick on video games they pick on gaming culture there are just a couple couple situations where where users are are just it's enjoyable and i highly recommend it you know it's interesting you know you bring up ryan reynolds and and obviously it sounds like you're a fan of his i really had never been a big fan of his until deadpool well i think a lot of it was is that he, he played this over-the-top charm so well. Either he played it so well or it came across to me as, like, disingenuous. Like, like he really, you know, came across as fake on screen. But then, you know, you see him in Deadpool and you really see, like, his, his real-life personality come out. And he's this sarcastic, wisecracking ass, essentially, to, to, for lack of a better term. And I loved it. I thought he, you know, he played that role perfectly. Um, and I know that he he had been beating down the door to play that role, especially after the X Men Origins Wolverine failed attempt. Uh, yeah, to he, he beat down the door to play that role the way it was supposed to be. Exactly. Played. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I would love to see. You know, I mean, obviously Reynolds has gone in from the rom coms to now the action movies where he's now this action movie star, basically. I'd love to see him have one of those Tom Hanks kind of careers, like you're saying, where he really, you know, starts playing these serious roles and shows that he can act, because I think he can act. It's nothing against that. It's just, I I think all of his characters have always been sort of one-dimensional, that disingenuous kind of, uh, you know, sarcastic, over-the-top kindness and funny and, you know, almost like he wants to wink at the camera even though he's not allowed to because he's not supposed to break the fourth wall in X, Y, or Z movie, although Deadpool allows him to break the fourth wall and then some. Um, So, I mean, it sounds great that he's got this, uh, you know, something different and something new. And, you know, it's one of those things where we, we always talk about the fatigue of Hollywood where they're just, you know, churning out 
sequel after sequel or reboots or prequels. And here we get something, even it's though yes, it's, a, it's a video game, but it's an original movie. So it's exciting to see something like that new that's coming out. So we're not, here we go again with another sequel or a reboot or something like that. So I'm excited. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, you know, you, you, you see a movie, you, you know, you get ready to see a movie and then it gets delayed for COVID and then it gets delayed again and again and again. And then you're wondering, okay, is it going to ever live up to any hype that it had going into last year when it was supposed to be released? So it's good that it uh, has been able to do that. What was your final grade for Free Guy? I think I gave it a B plus. Okay. All right. So I'm stingy with the A's. We know that. We've heard. Yes, we know that. Yeah. Well, that's good, though. That's good. Um, okay, well, uh, obviously Free Guy is one of those rare movies these days where you have to go to theaters to see it, so definitely check that out. I'm assuming it will probably win the box office this week, but you, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see what kind of a box office response this movie will get. I am too, but I, I have one fundamental question. Why are you people not going to see The Suicide Squad? Actually, I know why. But... <laughs> Right. We can but talk about that again and again and again. We talk about that every week, it seems like, when Warner Brothers releases a new movie. But, yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. So maybe – You I want to see both in a weekend. It's cool. No I wanna, right. I want to I say that the Suicide Squad struggled box office-wise because it was R-rated and maybe then, the Delta variant. Let's but, say that. But, but then you mentioned Deadpool – not 10 minutes ago. Which well, was very, think, very hard. I think, but I think Deadpool had a sort of a better sales pitch. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're going to see that the Suicide Squad and say, wow, there's this actor and this actress and this person and this person. And in Deadpool, it's Ryan Reynolds, essentially. But I think it had a better, just a better sales pitch. I think the advertising behind it really played up that this is not the Deadpool that you saw in X-Men Origins Wolverine, and this is the Deadpool that everybody's been waiting for. I don't know that a lot of people, even though they know that the Suicide Squad is nowhere near the same as the as the movie in 2016. You knew what I was going to say. They basically did the same thing with the Suicide Squad. Have you watched it? I have not seen it yet. I'm going okay. to be seeing it this weekend, I'm though. I'm 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 not gonna mess it up for you, but we're gonna revisit this topic because okay. they, they took great pains to remind everybody this is not that Suicide Squad. They have. I mean, and, who knows? Maybe a maybe a word of mouth second weekend box office might be on the horizon here for the Suicide Squad. Probably not, but you never know. Not the Delta variant. So. Well, <laughs> then, then then my argument for the Delta variant last week still could have some weight to it because I, I argued that maybe the Delta variant also had a role to play in in people not going out to the theater last week. Who knows? It's possible. I mean. Well, I mean, a free guy will be a good indication on whether or not people really care about seeing something new Fresh. in the box office. Fresh. That's what we need. That's the so term. I'm excited. I mean, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens this weekend. I, I think we got excited about the box office being bigger because we finally saw some of these, you know, delayed summer releases. And now all of a sudden, you know, the Suicide Squad, which people generally enjoyed, people that have seen it. Now it's kind of nosedive the box office and people are wondering, can it rebound from the Delta variant or are people just not interested in seeing certain movies? So another movie that we're going to talk about here, probably not necessarily going to be a huge box office winner this coming weekend, 
but could be an important one, and that's Respect, the uh, Aretha Franklin biopic. Uh, this one stars Jen Hudson, uh, Forrest Whitaker's in this, Marlon Wayans makes an appearance in this movie. Uh, George, what did you think of this movie? Jennifer Hudson is positively glorious. It's without a doubt her movie. Um, she makes Aretha Franklin songs her own, and mind you. You hire Jennifer Hudson to play Aretha Franklin, and you're letting Jennifer Hudson do the singing. It's, sure. it's, it's that simple. The performance is great. Renditions of the songs are great. That being said, the movie is okay. I, I gave it a B. Um, problem is it's very difficult, and I think you'll agree, to do something terribly original with a biopic unless you're really interested in exploring all the the warts, all right. the, 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 all the, for lack of a better term, all the bad stuff. And in Aretha Franklin's life, there was some really hinky stuff. I mean, right. her, her, her father, the Reverend CJ Franklin was known to have um, certain kinds of parties at his home. I mean, she she had two children before she was fifteen. Right. Um, it's just, it's just, it doesn't really get to the heart of a how this contributed to who she ended up being. Right. And. And I don't think it's explored with any kind of serious intent. I mean, she's saying at these parties, right? And the director, um, uh, Lysel, and I, her last Tommy. name is Lysel Tommy. Lysel Tommy. Yeah. You know, she it, it gets glossed over as she's getting ready to go to one of these, sing at one of these parties. And you see men flirting with men, blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But you get get don't get a lot of depth there, and how this affected her. I mean, right. maybe maybe it, it was viewed as normal to her. Maybe right. so. Maybe she wrote that somewhere in a book. I know there's there's a biography out there, so perhaps like it was just a normal Saturday night. I don't know, but. The warts were mentioned, but not with any depth. It travels the road of a typical biopic fare. What, what I'm thankful for mostly is it wasn't really an, a survey of her hits. You know what I mean? Right. They were in the background. I mean, let's face it. Most musical artists are lucky if they get one iconic hit in their career. Right. If you do that, you're doing well. Aretha Franklin had four or five. Right. And, and, and untold numbers of minor hits. Right. I think she still has the best selling gospel album of all time. And it's interesting that, I don't want to, that that aspect of her life is explored, but it comes up short in, in dealing with why 
again, with any depth, why she got to the point she got to. And that was troubling to me to, to, right. to make that, that, that album. Um, you know, Marlon Wayans is okay. Um, it's better. It's better than uh, the Freddie Mercury biopic, probably. <laughs> well, I was going to mention. Uh, it seems like biopics have had sort of a a real sour taste in your mouth lately. Like I was not a fan of Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury biopic, or Queen biopic, whatever you want to say it. Even though it was focused primarily on him, um, you know the. I know that you know. Last year, the United States versus Billie Holiday was another one of those that got more of a lukewarm response. This kind of seems like it's gotten that where it's it's a good response, great response for Jennifer Hudson, who will probably find her name come award season. But everything else around it probably not going to help her cause. I mean, it's 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 Bohemian Rhapsody Redux. I mean. I think it'll do business, especially in the the African American community, because okay. she's viewed as being so iconic. Right, right. Um, but it's, it's 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 you're right. It's a performance situation, and you know, at two and a half hours or close yeah. to it, right. There's so much more that could have been done with that time. Right. That's a put it there. You, I'm trying to. Uh, think of, you know, I know it wasn't a biopic, but Ma Rainey Black Bottom, and I know it wasn't based on a true story, but that explored one particular moment in time. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you got a feel for who Ma Rainey was. And apparently there was, there was a painstaking effort effort to make sure they were true to who she was so but it was a, a moment in time the movie was 90 95 minutes of pure joy they got in they got out tremendous performances give me something where where you focus on one aspect of aretha franklin's life i don't need the history right. i really don't. um What's interesting, one thing I do like that, that Lysol Tommy did do in exploring her early success, they showed an artist who was more interesting, interested in, in what was good as opposed to what was appropriate as viewed by her husband, who, you know, he only wanted as portrayed, and I don't know this is true, black artists working on on her records. And um, now they went down to uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama um, after she was let go from Columbia Records, looking for a vibe, looking for a way to get ahead, right? right. To, to produce a hit. And they get to the studio where her husband had been assured that the musicians and the record producer um, had been assured that the musicians were were black. Now they get in the studio 
and there are a lot of good old boys. Now, they're good old boys in a good kind of way, though. Right. You recognize that. She recognized that they could play, and she said it at some some point in the movie. Yeah, after after that, the the one song they made there was released, and became a hit. And her new record label wanted to do an album. Um, she said point blank, "Give me those boys from Muscle Shoals. They've got soul." So it's like nice moment there. Um, right. It's just, there aren't enough moments like that. There's some that give you chills. There are others that are like, yeah, I could do without this. Right. Let, let's move on. You kind of see, I mean, obviously this is one of those movies that in, in a normal year, if, it's, if, if the studio likes it, they might say, okay, let's, let's, you know, maybe the summertime is not bad for box office, but maybe let's, you know, position this at the end of the year for an Oscar run. Is this the kind of movie that maybe the studio realized that Jennifer Hudson is great, but the rest of it not as great? So maybe let's just put it out in that late summertime. Or do you think that her performance can carry herself beyond just an okay movie and score an Oscar nomination, which would be her second? Well, she's going to get an Oscar nomination. That answers that question. Okay. But, but you know enough about the business to, to understand that and, and maybe – thinking has changed in Hollywood, that if you're looking at a release beyond, at mid-August and beyond, there isn't a lot of confidence there. Right. And that's just the way it's been. I mean, that that three weeks from, from mid-August through Labor Day is usually a dead zone, which is weird, yeah. given, given that Shang-Chi Shang is yeah. getting a I think it's getting a Labor Day weekend release. It is, yeah, September third, I believe. Yeah. So, and theatrical only at, at this moment. So, but well, um, you kind of wonder with the Delta variant if if things are going to start going chaotic again. I think everybody's kind of whole. I bet every movie studio is just holding on right now, just hoping that they don't have to delay Shang Chi or you know No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. Everybody wants just. To release things, but box office wise may not be the best idea at this point. If the, you know, here in Ohio, we're up over 3,000 cases a day now, it seems like. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, Disney has gone. And I, and I know that they have Eternals in November. So they probably wanted to give a little bit of time in between. And maybe with Shang-Chi, they just didn't want to you know, release it like next year or whatever, or at Christmas time when there's going to be a lot, a lot of other competitions. So, but yeah, it's, it is an interesting, you bring up an interesting point of that dead zone. And, you know, I always thought, you know, why is Labor Day considered a dead zone when Memorial Day is considered a big kickoff weekend for a huge, you know, summer tent pole? I, I think it's because Memorial Day, everyone's looking to break free. It's sure. quote unquote, first summer weekend. Right. And actually, you know, even the calendar on that has changed to yeah. where, and it, 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 I remember the, the movie that changed that calendar, Twister, where yeah. you went from Labor Day to the first week in May, and then the Avengers came along and... Went to April. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that's it playing. And, and conversely, Labor Day weekend is allegedly the last three-day weekend of the summer. 
True. Who wants to be in a movie theater? In the, in the last I do. Years, you do. I, we do. We have, we're geeks, dude. Cater, I, cater I, I know, movie studios. <laughs> I have no I, no problem embracing that. That I'm a geek. I'm a movie geek. Yeah. yeah. Theaters are nice and cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think that's what the conventional wisdom was. And, and there was a time when September was always a dead zone. Yes. Either that like, or more so than a dead zone, it was the 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 theater, it was the studio movie dump where the, the studios did not like what their product was and they're like, okay, well, we gotta release it. Let's try to salvage a little bit of summertime box office by you know sticking it at the end of you know the end of august or the early september month and hope that you know it makes some money i think the one movie that always comes to mind when i think of the absolute terrible end of summer dump was uh the nicholas cage movie bangkok dangerous i thought hey this could be interesting and you know, nicholas cage is always fun and then you know you find out oh it's uh, like it was like a first i think it was the first weekend of september and i'm like okay this is a, a complete mess probably and the studio's like this ain't going to be it. This is going to be terrible. And it ended up being terrible and not making any money. So that's always the movie that I think of. If anybody ever asked me what the classic summertime dump movie is, that's the first one I always think of is Bangkok Dangerous. I there I, I have I have endured so many. Yes, I'm sure you've seen. I mean, that's, yes. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I got to the point where when I, when I transitioned to sports, <clears throat> I told the local movie reps responsible for setting up screenings. It's like the last two weeks in, in August, don't even consider me. The chances I'm going to be there are slim because I know what they're doing. Right. And it's not important for me to see a movie. Right. I'd probably pan anyhow. And if through some miracle it gets great word of mouth, guess what? I'll catch up on it on video. So and and yeah. I be there for my my end of the year stuff. Right. Well, so, not that respect was one of those uh, movies, but what was your final grade for the movie Respect? You know, it got it got a B because of Jennifer Hudson. I mean, you know, there there's some movies you go to see the performance. Yeah. And this is one of them. Just like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was one of them. You you go. I actually. To I actually kind of disagree. I was not um, I was not a big fan of the movie, as I said, but I was not a big fan of uh, wow. uh, Malik. I, I'm sorry. I was like the one person that probably thought it was a little, you know, too trying to be an impersonator. But then also I could not stop watching him like lick his mouth like he was so uncomfortable with those uh, prosthetic teeth in. And I thought. This was way worse than like Heath Ledger, who incorporated the licking of the glue on his scars for The Dark Knight and actually incorporated it into his performance and made it a little bit more interesting. I just couldn't stop thinking, man, he must be just miserable licking these teeth and like almost like his teeth were going to fall out every time he talked. And I'm like, nope, did not care for the performance in general, but I was very distracted by the uh I don't know what they did, extra teeth or the prosthetic or whatever they decided to do. Just didn't work for me. Bohemian Rhapsody, terrible movie. I did not like it. It was like the um, that year's gladiator of Oscar contenders. Like it did not deserve to be there. I'm sorry. It just did not. We'll agree to disagree on the performance. 
I'm not going to pick over the rest of that 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 observation. Yeah, not because it was not good. Malik's performance was not terrible. I'm just, I I did not think it was Oscar winning worthy. I mean, you know, it, it just, I don't know. The the movie was terrible, and I don't think the performance was the way you're describing, like Jennifer Hudson's performance saving respect. I don't think Rami Malik's performance saved. Bohemian Rhapsody for me anyway. And now see, now you got me. Who was he up against? In, in I'm looking that up too because I'm kind of interested. I know everybody's like, oh, well, you can't even think of who else was nominated, but. No, um, you never remember that. You never no, remember that though. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Uh, I guarantee there was some, there had to have been one other performance. I mean, all the categories are, are generally, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Okay. Uh, I would have been comfortable with that. I wouldn't have. Okay. That's fine. Agree to disagree on that. Christian Bale in Vice. No. Uh, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. That's what no. I was reviews I wish I could take back. <laughs> Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate. Can't speak on that. Now, see, Bradley Cooper, my, my, with A Star is Born, my entire freaking problem with that movie was that I'm old enough to have seen it before a couple times. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, so, not the first time they went down that road, although I liked it. I thought he did a nice job, especially in the director's chair. Uh, but you know what? I will say that given the uh, the competition there, I guess I can see why Malik won. Not a, not a strong year for the men in that category. That's surprising because usually the men's category, you've got like seven or eight guys that probably give Oscar-worthy performances during the year. That – that year's Nick a was snubbed. Yeah. Now I'm wondering who was snubbed. Oh, that's that's what the internet is for. You know what? Was that the same year? Um, what what year was that? I'm trying to think. Um, was that 2017? Because I I think um, I just saw, and I don't know if it came out the same year as as. Bohemian Rhapsody, but if it did, I think John David Washington and Black Klansman probably should have scored a best, you know, a best actor nomination. Uh, if that's, yeah, you're. If that was the same year, I don't know. I read the I, I read the the Malik article on. That was a year of Black Klansman. You're absolutely okay. right, and that was a snub. Without and Adam Driver got nominated for best supporting actor, and I thought. You know, John David Washington was fantastic there, too. And I, I would have, you know, I mean, you could have even made an argument not to. And I again, I'm, I'm thinking this is the same year. Ryan Gosling and First Man. That was another one of those biopics, though, where the performance was really good. But maybe it was driven down a little bit by the movie not being recept, you know, received as strongly as other biopics. I'm sorry, but that was a great movie. Yeah. It, it suffered because... It wasn't rah-rah patriotic in its presentation of right. Neil Armstrong. Yeah. That, I really think that's what, what happened there. And, right. and Damien Chazelle, because I'll I'll die on that hill. Great movie. Crystal yeah, great yeah movie. No, I completely agree. Yeah, so those are probably two people that I've seen here that may may have been the – I'm sure there's other people. And, again, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, – you know, Willem Dafoe got nominated because he's Willem Dafoe and he's great. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, 
It seems like, but you know what though? Everybody thinks, oh, they know Willem Dafoe and they think, oh, he's, you know, the Green Goblin, but he has done so much. He's, that he, he, he works he deserves a lot. Oh yeah, works a lot. I mean, yeah. he, he plays some dangerous, dangerous characters. Man. Yeah, he's not afraid to take a chance. I mean, especially recently, like The Lighthouse, um, I can't remember that uh, Lars Van Trier, the Lars Van Trier movie that he made. I think it was Lars Van Trier. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's done a lot of uh, really risky roles lately, and I think he's he's gotten to that point where he doesn't give a crap, and he's just like, I'm gonna just go, I'm gonna go act. I got my Spider Man money. Let me go act and make and get some Oscars, you know. And the lighthouse was a trip in a freaking half that I yes. love. Yeah. Loved. I mean, if that's a dude who wants to, to cash his paychecks, good for him. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, anything else uh, going on, George? What do you got coming up next week? What's coming out ne next week for you? You know what? I have looked <laughs> Uh, uh, that's where I am right now. We're in the dog days of training camp. Yes. And I'm punchy. Yeah. Well, everybody, uh, you can definitely check out George on the Akron Beacon Journal's website, beaconjournal.com, for all of his movie reviews, Cleveland Browns coverage, Akron Zips coverage. Obviously, uh, I like reading your movie reviews. I read your uh, your review here of Jennifer Hudson and Respect. That was posted. Of course, I loved your suicide, the suicide, the Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad. I don't want to get, uh, you know, angry trolls getting me at the end on the internet saying I forgot the uh, the inner, you know. But uh, you know, obviously, uh, you can check them out on Twitter at by George Thomas, which is always a fun fun time. And I'm sure we'll we'll have some new slate of movies next week and new uh, topic discussions. But George, we definitely appreciate you stopping by this week. All right, Craig, take it easy. See ya. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope to learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.